Welcome to the Mount Nebo Leadership Podcast, Leaders Lift. I'm your host, Greg Cunningham, and I'm excited that you have joined me for this episode. I do want to apologize up front if this episode is not quite up to par on the audio. As I record, I'm on the tail end of a cold. I love my grandkids, but this is one thing I wish they would not share with others. Today, we'll be wrapping up the initial Knowing Yourself series of episodes. We've covered motives and personality styles, and today I'll be covering a few more topics. In story time, I'll share an experience I had climbing a 14,000-foot mountain with a group of scouts and the lessons I learned from it. And for this week's Little Lift, I'm going to talk about a new book from Patrick Lencioni and how it ties into knowing yourself. And then we'll dive into other topics on knowing yourself, such as dealing with our potential pitfalls, understanding our triggers, and a few other items. I hope you'll stick around through the end. Just a quick note before we dive in, if you're interested in getting on our email list, go to www.mountainebelconsulting.com email. I commit to not spamming your inbox, and generally it'll be about an email a month. It's free, and you can unsubscribe at any time. Anyone that signs up for the email list will get a PDF list of my favorite books, professional and otherwise. Today for our story time segment, I want to share an experience that relates to knowing yourself and understanding what you want to get out of life. Several years ago, we took a group of scouts to Rocky Mountain High Adventure Base in Colorado. It was a pretty big deal for the troop and was likely a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for most of us. We knew months in advance when we were going and what we would be doing while we were there. One of the activities was a multi-day hike to the top of Mount Chavano. Chavano is what they call a 14er, and its peak is 14,230 feet above sea level. This was an amazing experience, and I learned a lot of lessons from it. Let me share just a few of them. Lesson one, it's all about the quality of the preparation. Now, leading up to the trip, I was exercising quite a bit because I needed to lose some weight to even be able to go. I continued to increase my workouts as the time grew closer and thought I'd be all right. Well, I made it to the top, but as I was climbing the final 1,000 vertical feet or so, I wasn't sure I would. I got to the point where I could only take about 50 steps and then rest. Now, steps is a relative term, as at this point we were climbing over boulders to get to the top. With all my training, what I didn't really do was push my lungs to expand their capacity like I should have. That was necessary to account for the difference in elevation. We lived almost at sea level, so it was a very dramatic change. And in our group, we had folks in almost all the different stages of conditioning. Some of the active boys didn't train at all and made it just fine. Others that were less active and didn't pay attention to their training struggled like I did. We even had one of our party that didn't make it past base camp. I thought we were going to have to carry him off the mountain. Luckily, we didn't. Now in life, the lesson here is to make sure that your preparation is right for what you're trying to accomplish. This requires knowing who you are, what your goals are, and then what kind of preparation and effort is needed to get there. Now lesson two, in life we have false peaks. A false peak is believing that you have almost reached the top, but that's only because you can't see the actual peak as it's hidden by the false one. As we climbed above the tree line on this hike, we could see the glorious peak up ahead. Everyone got super excited, and then our guide broke the news and explained that it was a false peak, and that the real peak was behind it, and we wouldn't be able to see it until we climbed the false one. This happens a lot in life. Either we think we've given it everything we can, or maybe we think we've arrived. But if we're open to it, we may realize that there is more to be had in life. 
I mentioned this in another episode, but in a couple of my corporate jobs, I definitely thought I was close to the peak. It wasn't until I really looked and changed my point of view that I realized there was so much more. Lesson number three, having a guide is crucial when you're on a path that you have not traveled before. Our guide on this hike was amazing. She was fully trained, had hiked the trail many times. She knew how to keep us safe, when we needed to rest, and when we could push on. She also was fully aware of the false peak and helped us work through that in our minds. In life, we all need someone to act as our guide. This could be God, a mentor, a friend, family, or most likely a combination of all of these. Guides help us with expertise or knowledge that we don't have or that we can't see. They have different experiences than we do, and we can take advantage of the lessons learned from their experiences. All right, the final lesson I want to share about this story today. Sometimes you just have to endure, and when you do, you are often richly rewarded. Now, right before we started ascending the peak, we had to go through a saddle, which is a depression between two peaks. This saddle was above the tree line and was completely exposed. It was also about 4 a.m., so it was still dark, and when you're at 13,000 plus feet, that means it's cold and the wind's going to blow like crazy. Now, side note, the reason it was 4 a.m. is that we had left base camp about 1 a.m. so that we could be on the summit as the sun rose. As we approached the saddle, our guide made sure we understood what, understood what we were about to do. She didn't hold back at all about what we were about to go through. She also shared that another group she had guided up the mountain got to this point, decided it was too difficult, and they turned back. Her confidence and transparency set the stage for us to tackle what was probably the most difficult portions of the hike, which were the saddle and the actual summit. We pushed through and were rewarded with an amazing experience. I still remember standing at the very peak and FaceTiming my wife. We had perfect cell phone signal at 14,000 feet and sharing that incredible sunrise with her. If you think you have seen amazing sunrises, try it when you are so high up that you literally think you can see around the bend of the earth as the sun comes into view. I'll never ex forget that experience. Now in life, things are going to get tough. Generally, the things that are of the absolute most worth come after much effort, trial, and tribulation. So when things get tough, go back to your plan. Remember what your goals are and how what you are doing now is going to help you reach those goals. Our goal was to see the sunrise from the top, so we had to endure that part of the trail. You can do the same in your own life if you know what's ahead in your path, why it's important, and then do your part to get there. For this week's Little Lift, I'm trying out this name suggestion from a listener because neither of us liked Seeker's segment, I have another book recommendation for you. It's called Six Working Geniuses by Patrick Lencioni, and I'll put a link in the show notes. It's related to the topic I'm going to cover next, which is strengths and weaknesses, although I'm going to use a different term for weaknesses. The book takes place in a professional environment, but it's about the process of getting things done, starting with an idea and going clear through to execution, and that really applies in any aspect of our lives. This is just another way for you get a, to get a better understanding of who you are, what you like, and what you don't like. So check it out. I really enjoyed it. So now it's time to dive into a few of our topics for the day. And I want to start off by talking about dealing with the potential pitfalls that come out of either knowing ourselves a little better, they could come from our personality style, or just living life. We all end up with these potential pitfalls. So let's dive into that. 
Have you ever heard of selective hearing? So the older I get, the more I believe others are very selective when I speak. That's a terrible joke, but there you go. From a leadership standpoint, I have found that most leaders generally have two tendencies. They tend to hear the good and the bad and not much in between. If we're honest, I think we would all admit that we like to hear how well we did at something or to have someone mention the strengths that we have. On the other side of that, we also have a tendency to focus on the things we didn't do well and our weaknesses. And that comes from a desire to want to improve. It's actually a good thing to see both sides in our leadership journey. If we only see the good thing about ourselves, then we're going to stop growing and stagnate very quickly. And if we only see the bad, then we'll never achieve our potential or be able to help others do the same. We just fall into this trap of negativity and then it's very difficult to help anyone, including ourselves. So today, I want to start by discussing at a high level how to handle our strengths and our potential pitfalls. So first of all, what are strengths and what are pitfalls? So strengths are the things that we do really well, and normally it's about something we do, we do naturally. I had a colleague tell me recently that one thing I do well is identify what the real problem might be, even if it's not the obvious thing. It's not something I really think a lot about. I just do it. So that's what I would consider a strength. Today, I also want to call our weaknesses potential pitfalls. And the reason I want to do that is that the term weakness comes across so negatively. By calling them potential pitfalls, we are saying that they may or may not be a problem. And generally, when I think of a pitfall, I think of something that I can avoid or hopefully at least mitigate. The other thing I want to make sure we do is that we don't label things that we wish we were or attributes we wish we had as weaknesses or even potential pitfalls. So where should we focus? Do we focus on our strengths or our potential pitfalls? Now, the best answer is both, as long as we take a little bit different approach for each of the two categories. I read a story many years ago about Tiger Woods. He could absolutely hit the ball a mile, and that was definitely a strength in his golf game. His short game was not nearly as strong. Now, most people would probably assume that he spent all of his time working to, his, to improve his short game. But that wasn't the case. He worked on his short game so that it got good enough, what I would call mitigating a potential pitfall. And by good enough, I mean that it would no longer be a fatal flaw in his game. Then he continued enhancing his strength, which was his ability to hit the ball a long ways. We should take this same approach. Our strengths are there, and we should always be looking to enhance and take advantage of them. For the most part, we shouldn't be trying to turn our potential pitfalls into strengths. So how should we approach our potential pitfalls? First, we need to be aware of what our potential pitfalls are and when they might be triggered or when they may become a major issue. Sometimes our potential pitfalls are just merely annoyances, and other times they can completely derail our progress. You can find some of these in your personality style report, or you can get feedback from those you trust, and you may already be aware of some of them. Now, you also want to be aware of what may trigger or put you in front of a potential pitfall. Stress is the most common thing as it tends to bring out our default behaviors more than anything else. But there also may be other situations for you to consider. So one of my potential pitfalls is a natural tendency to overthink or complicate things. This finds its way into a lot of aspects of my life. It's triggered in situations like when something is high stakes or when I'm deep into my perfectionist tendencies. Written communication is a good example. When I write an email, I know that it needs to be short and sweet, but I tend to want to spell everything out. In a lot of cases, this tendency is just an annoyance, 
for me and for those around me. But when I'm trying to communicate something super important, I have to remind myself to start simple and expand only as necessary. If I don't do that, I'll lose my audience up front and then it's hard to get them back. From a personal standpoint, this can also be triggered when one of my kids is going through a tough time. My son was recently in a car accident and my brain immediately went into overdrive trying to think through all of the various things that could happen as a result of the accident. Unfortunately, he is very much like me in this regards and started to do the same thing. We both had to take a breath and realize that we just needed to keep things simple and take the process one step at a time. Overthinking it, overcomplicating it, and trying to play out every scenario in our brains didn't do any good. There are a lot of ways you can mitigate potential pitfalls. On minor ones, just being aware of them and their triggers might be enough, such as, such as is the case with me putting too much detail in my communication. If you have something that is major, then you need to look at how to mitigate it. One way you can work on this is in both your personal and professional life is to share with someone you trust what that weakness is, what triggers it, and how you want to mitigate it. Then ask for help in doing so. In the professional world, I've also used the diversity and strengths of other members of my team to mitigate some of my weaknesses, like not being naturally warm and fuzzy. Now, one final note on pitfalls. When you do fall into a pit, and hopefully it's not a fatal one, there really is no room for pride. You can't say, well, that's just the way I am, deal with it. You have to be willing to apologize and try and do better the next time. This type of transparency and humility will go a long way with those you impact. Not only will they be more patient as you progress, but it will also make it okay for them to do the same thing. That way you lift each other. Now to wrap up this portion, magnifying our strengths. Once you have spent the right amount of time on your pitfalls, meaning you have the important ones to the point where they won't be fatal, go right back to developing your strengths. You should address questions such as, how can I improve on my strengths? What are some ways I can leverage them? Or does my current path really align with my strengths? The answer to those questions can help you build an action plan to make some changes and put yourself in a position where you can meet more of your fullest potential. If you're enjoying this episode, remember to subscribe. It's free, and then share it with others in your circle. Reviews are also a great way to spread the word. And if you want more leadership and personal development resources, be sure to visit my website at www.mountainebelconsulting.com. And while you're there, sign up for my email list. So we've spent the last few episodes talking about the importance of knowing yourself better and how doing so can make a difference in your professional and personal lives. Knowing yourself better has many benefits, like aligning your goals and plans with who you really are, being aware of strengths and potential pitfalls, and those are just a couple that I'd name. The impact this kind of information can have on your life is tremendous. You will find more satisfaction in your journey, build better relationships, this is going to be the theme of the next few episodes, and help you support and guide those around you to do the same thing. To wrap up this series, I want to just share a few closing ideas and then summarize. So one of the first closing ideas is that knowing yourself is just the first step. It should be considered one of the very first steps in your leadership or life journey. Now, many of you may be further down the path than others and are thinking, this would have been nice to know a couple of decades ago. Or you may wonder if anything you do now can make a difference. My answer is a resounding yes. Think about someone that is contemplating retirement but has no idea what they want to do with their time. 
If they had a better understanding of their core personality, do you think they could find more meaning in retirement? I had a doctor at one point that when he retired, passed away shortly thereafter. Nothing was wrong with him, but those that knew him wondered how he would handle retirement. Maybe that was related. If you are considering retirement but are driven to help lift others, then thinking you'll just sit home and catch up on the latest shows is probably not going to work for you. You may end up, like a lot of retired folks I know, just endlessly scrolling through social media. That doesn't sound like a productive use of your time. So think of getting to know yourself better as the first step in this next phase of your journey, whatever that next phase may be. Maybe you'll learn something and decide you want to make a change in your career, family life, or something else. I know at this point in my career, I'm very committed to finding a better balance between that career and the things that are more important in life. And that means I need to better align with some of the nuances of my personality style. And then be sure to look at this as an opportunity to continue learning and growing. Even if your life is pretty well aligned with who you are, maybe there's a potential pitfall that you can work on. Or maybe you have a strength that you kind of always knew was there, but never really took advantage of it. If I think about the retirement phase of life, there are lots of folks that need support and guidance, and those that are heading into retirement and have a desire to lift others might find great joy and fulfillment in being a mentor or something similar without going right back into the 9 to 5 corporate world. So another idea here is improving relationships. And again, this is going to be the topic for the next several episodes, but building mutually beneficial and fulfilling relationships with others is another area where knowing yourself can have a tremendous impact. First, by understanding yourself better, you get a sense for how your personality is going to mesh or conflict with someone else. And that's even before you really understand their style. Now, this could be something as simple as knowing you're an introvert and everyone else in your friend group are hardcore extroverts, and then figuring out how to deal with that. Now, another example might be if you know that you're driven by helping others and that you sometimes do so at the expense of your own well-being, you might need to make sure that you're not constantly surrounded by those that just want to take and not give back. Over time, understanding yourself better will also allow you to understand others in a more beneficial way as well. Once you get comfortable with being an extrovert, for example, and understand what that means, you may be more willing to give the important introverts in your life some space. This is an example of understanding yourself and recognizing that not everyone is like you. It's part one. Then part two is understanding what those that aren't like you might need to get more out of life. Knowing yourself and better understanding others can lead to improved communication and collaboration. If you know someone is very expressive and you are not, but have something really important to share, then you can use that knowledge to help get your point across. And those are just a few examples. Now, another thing that you will start to be more aware of as you go through this process is what your triggers are. I've already mentioned that stress is probably the number one thing to trigger our default behaviors and to surface our potential pitfalls. Stress comes in many forms and is almost always different from person to person. I know that some of the things that are stressors to me don't bother my wife and vice versa. So we work together to try and alleviate some of those things. As a simple example, standing in line to return something at a store is not my thing at all. I'd rather just eat the cost of it. But it doesn't bother my wife, so we split up in the store and she handles that part. Now, other triggers besides stress may include things such as specific behaviors, personality styles, attitudes, level of energy, or anything like that. Remember that our default behaviors show up when we aren't being deliberate or deliberately trying to manage them. 
Sometimes our triggers are related to our habits. If I'm a night owl, but working with a group that is in a time zone two hours ahead, I might be facing a potential pitfall or a trigger from my default behavior when that early morning meeting comes around, something I need to be aware of. And finally, for triggers, be conscious of how your own mistakes can trigger these behaviors. I'm not sure if that makes sense, but I know that if I make a mistake, I automatically go into default mode, which actually may be the worst thing that I can be doing at that time. All of this leads to what may be the most important advantage you get out of knowing yourself better, and that's the ability to be deliberate in life. This applies to professional careers, families, and anything else you can think of. Let me put it this way. If I don't know where I want to go, if I don't know that I have the ability, talent, skills, or drive to get there, or how any of that may impact me, what are the odds I'm going to be successful? I'll answer that. They aren't good odds. Most likely, if I'm in that type of situation, I'm just going to let life guide me instead of being deliberate about my choices. All of these different aspects of getting to know yourself can and should be written down. Then, even if you're not a planner, you can make some sort of a plan. It could be a small plan. It could just be a list of to-dos or some ideas or themes that you want to remember or act on. You need to do what works for you. But I will suggest that all of us could be more deliberate in life. And if we want to get more out of life, no matter what that is, we can't just assume that it will happen unless we do our part to make it so. And our part means knowing ourselves and being deliberate about our choices. So let's start to wind this episode down. I want to end with one more message for all of us, and that is that we are responsible for our own development, whether that's personal or professional or both. If I think about the professional world, once you get into a leadership position, your development is going to change. As an individual contributor, you probably had some collective goals and specific performance objectives that were part of your development. Occasionally, companies throw in one spot for you to choose a personal development goal and then give you very little input or support to achieve it. That's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. And the more you move up the ladder, the more this happens. In life, can you think of anyone that will take responsibility for your personal development? And by that, I mean, is anyone in your life going to suggest that you sit down weekly and talk about your personal goals, objectives, and progress? It's just not likely to happen. Life is so busy that even parents that are involved in their kids' lives struggle with this. And then when they reach adulthood, it's even more difficult. That's assuming they even want your help at that point. So whatever you want to get out of life, you need to own it. If you want a better job, go out and find it. Get new skills or whatever else needs to be done. If you want to have a better relationship with your family members, you're going to have to put in the effort. Don't assume someone else will make it happen. If you want to fix a habit, get some help and get started on it. And let me end by saying that just because you need to take responsibility for your own development doesn't mean you have to do it on your own. There are people out there that will help. They could be family, friends, coworkers, a boss, someone at church, or maybe you need to go out and find those that will help and support you. But the message I would give is that you don't have to do it alone. You can choose to try it, but I wouldn't recommend it. And if you don't know how to get started, reach out to me and let me see if I can at least get you pointed in the right direction. I hope that you got something out of this Knowing Yourself series. If it has caused you to reevaluate your motives or take a look at your personality style and build a better plan, then you're headed in the right direction. If now you have a better understanding of what these potential pitfalls are and ways that you can mitigate them, 
that would be a great step as well. I would love to hear any stories you have of knowing yourself or anything that I've shared so far that has helped in your life. Feel free to use the contact us form on my website or reach out to me directly. And as always, if there's something I can do to help lift you or to help you lift others, don't hesitate to reach out to me. Over the next few episodes, I'm going to be talking about relationship and team building as it relates to life and professional leadership. I'll start off by covering some foundational topics, and then I want to cover what is probably the most important thing for any relationship, and that's building trust. Following that, I'll have an episode on how relationships help us and others get the most out of life. So if you want to be notified when those episodes drop, hit the subscribe or follow button, or follow Leaders Lift LDRS LFT on Instagram. You can also visit my website for more great content and resources to help you on your leadership journey. Check out the show notes for all of the relevant links and takeaways from this episode. Thank you again for tuning in. Now go out there and keep lifting. Keep lifting.